Well, good morning, Grace Point. How's everyone doing? Uh, my name is Michael. Uh, Pastor Harold is going to return from vacation next week, and so uh, if this is your first time here, I am not the uh, campus pastor, but I am the Fremont Campus Middle School pastor, as well as our Fremont and Tiffin Campus Young Adult Pastor. And so glad to be with everyone this morning. Uh, we are in a series, Don't Waste Your Work. And if you're here with us last week, Hagen uh, kicked us off in our series, and he talked about this idea that we are going to be spending the majority of our waking lives working to some degree. And so we are called and created to work, and God even sets the example there uh, in creation. Uh, but he told us that, he challenged us with this idea that if we don't know who we are, if we don't know what we're supposed to do, we can't make our work worthwhile. And so he challenged us to, to identify where we work. Okay, maybe that's somewhere in a nine to five, whatever your job may be, or maybe even outside of an occupation that maybe you're not um, working somewhere, maybe you work at home, maybe your work is your home, that you're a stay-at-home parent, that you're a student full-time, that uh, uh, whatever it may be, we all work and we don't want to waste it. Now, I know what all of you are thinking, okay? You, you had a probably a long week, 40 plus hours at, at uh, working, you have stuff to do at your, at your house, you have family to take care of, and you have just been working hard all week, and now you have to come to church and hear a sermon about how to work hard from a youth pastor, okay? Let's just, let's just throw it out there. I know that's what everyone's thinking, and you're probably saying to yourself, what is he going to tell me about how to work hard? The toughest thing he does all week is order pizza for youth group, okay? Now, I just, just want to say that's not true, because I don't order the pizza, the secretaries do. So um, <laughs> just, I just want to put that out there. But the great part about what I'm going to say the next few minutes is that it's not my wisdom. Like everything that I have to say is not going to be me saying, okay, here's my steps to be productive. Here's what I know. It's God's truth. And I know that um, this morning as we look at how to work hard and also why to work well, uh, there's a lot of you in this room that I don't have to tell you, hey, work hard. That a lot of you probably just naturally do that probably way better than I do. But I think what I want to look at this morning uh, in Colossians chapter 3, which if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But what I want to look at in this passage this morning is why we're to work well. And so let me just give you a little context here. Um, this letter written by Paul was written to the Colossian church. And so uh, he was writing for a few reasons, but mainly there, there was some outside uh, just false teaching going on that a lot of people were putting their own kind of philosophy and mixing it in with the gospel. And Paul wrote and was going, nope, it is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so in his letter, he's emphasizing that Jesus is God and what that means for their life. And so in chapter three specifically, he's saying, okay, if, if Jesus is who he is, then we need to uh, stop living how we were and begin living in a manner worthy of the gospel, living as people chosen by God. And he also gave specific instructions on how to live. So he's saying, hey, uh, wives and husbands, you should honor God in this way. Children and parents, uh, honor God this way. And then also employees, employers, honor God this way. And so uh, let's get right into it. Chapter 3, verse 22. It says, slaves, obey those who are your human 
masters in everything, not with eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And so at the end of this chapter, he's giving not only general instructions, but he's giving household instructions. So he talks about, again, uh, husband, wife, uh, children, parents, and also uh, employee, employer. And the household 2,000 years ago was generally larger than ours today. And so not only was it the parents and small children, but it was often parents and the older children and their spouses and maybe even their family, and then sometimes even domestic slaves and servants. And so we read the first word of this verse. We read slaves, and obviously, uh, rightfully so, we kind of have just a, a, a not great view of slavery because we have kind of this lens of our 19th century, you know, pre-Civil War of what slavery did in our country. But the Bible in no way, shape, or form is condoning slavery. What Paul is doing here is he is giving principles on how to work even when you can't control your circumstances. And I think he's doing that uh, maybe largely because the Colossian church probably had a lot of slaves in the congregation that along with this letter of Colossians, he wrote the letter of Philemon. And so if you know anything about that, Paul is writing to a guy named Philemon, and he is telling him that one of his slaves, Onesimus, he ran away, he um, just decided he didn't want to work anymore. So Paul is writing Philemon saying, hey, you need to restore this relationship. Like when he comes back to you, welcome him, treat him well, whatever he's done wrong, like I'll pay it back, don't worry about it. And so if he takes an entire letter to focus on this relationship between a slave and his master, it's, it's, it's probably likely that there were even more slaves in the Colossian church, and that's why he addressed them specifically and in depth. And he viewed them as responsible people that needed to choose a certain kind of behavior, no matter the unfortunate circumstance that they were in. And so Paul's advice uh, here to these people, when it says slaves and masters, for us, it can just be worker, boss, employee, employer, and, and, and those principles stay the same. So, first thing he says, showing the manner of our work, how we should work hard, is obey. Says obey, uh, and, and, and obviously, if someone in your job or your boss tells you to do something that's against God's word, that's sin, don't do that. But Paul's saying, no, in, in everything, obey. And it doesn't say that if your boss is crazy, you don't have to listen to him. Or if your boss is just too demanding, if he's unreasonable, if he tells you to do something that's stupid, that's not going to work, I don't even know why I'm doing it, then you can not listen. No, Paul says in everything, obey. Because we want to be someone, and Paul is writing to get this point across, that as believers, we want to be someone who is dependable, that gets the job done no matter what is asked of you. And so not only obey, but we also want to obey and serve genuinely. The verse says uh, that we want to obey not with eye service as people pleasers. And so not just when you're being watched, but it says with sincerity of heart. And so just like today, 2,000 years ago, there was a tendency and a temptation to only work when the eyes are, are on you, right? And that's how it can be today. But Paul spoke against this. He says, don't be people pleasers. Don't uh, work only when you're being watched, but work hard <laughs> always. 
And he's saying something that, again, we've probably all seen in our workplaces or even, uh, even we are guilty of. And, and we see it all over the place. I don't know if you guys uh, watched any of the college basketball tournament games this March, uh, but if you're familiar with those, all of the March Madness games, they stream them on their website. And so the games uh, generally, you know, they're, when they're on, they're like from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., so during work hours. And uh, they made it convenient for you to watch them at work. And so you could be at work, at your desk, in your office, when you're supposed to be working, but you can be watching a basketball game, right? But they have something, usually in the upper right-hand corner, it's called the boss button. Anyone know what I'm talking about? The boss button is very convenient that, let's say you're, you're, you're supposed to be working, but you're watching Ohio State lose to Oral Roberts, whatever you're doing, okay? And you are watching the game, and your boss comes around the corner. Uh-oh, Kevin's coming. You hit the boss button, and it takes the game away, and then it just brings up anything that looks productive. It's like some fake PowerPoints, a fake Zoom call, emails, like some bar graphs, and so... Your boss comes around the corner, oh, Michael's hard at work. This is great. He is such a great employee, okay? And then boss leaves, deactivate boss button, okay? That easy. Like, we see it all over the place, and it's kind of funny, but that's often what we do, right? And we don't want to work. Paul is saying we don't want our work to be superficial. We don't want our work to be hypocritical. We don't want to care more about appearance rather than reality, because when we do this, when we are watching or when we're working only when people are watching, we're given the appearance that we're really doing better than we really are. Paul says, no, we don't want to do that, even with no audience when no one sees it. And let me just uh, throw this in there too. Not only should we work when there's no audience, but we also shouldn't go out of our way to promote work that no one has seen. And so let me explain there. At, at your job, in your homes, in your marriage, there's going to be a lot of different ways that you can serve somebody else or maybe even just be a better employee, be a better wife, be a better husband that won't get noticed. And so I'm not saying that you can't tell people that, but I'm saying we shouldn't have the goal to get recognition for the things that we've done. And we shouldn't be trying to uh, give ourselves kind of this public pat on the back when, man, I just want to let somebody know that I've been working hard and no one's seen it and I think I should get kind of uh, respect and recognition for that. We don't want to purposely bring attention to ourselves. And so maybe you are working harder than everybody else. And that's going to line up with what we're going to talk about in a few, few minutes. Maybe that is you. Okay, maybe everyone else shows up at nine, you're there at seven. And that is great, but we don't need to go out of our way to show people and tell people, man, I, I've been just working my tail off. Proverbs, we don't have this on the screen, but Proverbs 27.2 says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. If someone else sees your work and they see how hard you're working and they commend you for it, great, awesome, you deserve it. But if it's us just kind of having our own cheering section that's letting everybody know that, hey, I'm working harder than you, doesn't necessarily accomplish our end goal. Because the goal is not to be seen, the goal is to serve. The goal is not to be seen, the goal is to serve. And when we serve, the Bible says that we serve with sincerity of heart. Now this word sincerity, 
um, it refers to singleness and, and, and not like dating singleness. I mean singular in purpose. It means focused. And so if we are sincere in our hearts, if our hearts are sincere, that means our hearts are focused on one thing. And so it's a single-minded, unwavering concentration on something that leads to a consistent behavior. So our hearts should be focused not only on working hard, but on bringing glory to God. And we do that by fearing the Lord. And so you, you've probably heard, um, especially in the Old Testament, fearing the Lord, fear of the Lord. It's a very common phrase, and it's a big theme in the Bible. But basically, it just combines a sense of respect and amazement for God while being open to what he wants to do in our lives. And so it's uh, just fearing the Lord. Basically, what it means is just to have, have a proper understanding of who God is. That you understand not only is God creator, not only is God sustainer, but he is savior, that he is perfect, he is holy, he is uh, all, like all these things, we should have an understanding of who he is. And so this morning, we're only talking about four verses. And in the first three of those verses, the name or word Lord is used four times. And so Pastor Harold has probably said this before, but if you ever want to know what's important uh, in a portion of, of the Bible, just look to what's repeated. And so Paul is saying, Lord, 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 Lord. He wants us to understand where our focus should be. Because all of life, all of our lives, we're meant to have this realization of who our ultimate authority is. And so Paul's writing saying, yeah, slaves, obey your earthly masters, but you got to realize that there is a heavenly master who is in charge of both of you. And he keeps describing the manner of our work. Verse 23, he says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people. He says, whatever you do. And what I love about this verse is that it's, it, it encompasses everyone. And so maybe you've been listening so far trying to figure out, well, maybe he's not really talking to me or maybe you're kind of coming from the mindset of, well, the pastor really doesn't know about what my job consists of. Like he doesn't understand the time it takes, the effort, the sacrifice, the hours, and you would be absolutely right. But it doesn't matter. The Bible says, whatever you do, those three words, whatever you do, that is an excuse killer. <laughs> None of us get an exemption, no matter what. So it doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter what part of your job that you're doing. Maybe it's kind of the worst part of your job. It doesn't matter if you're doing something that isn't even maybe in your job description. You're like, yeah, this is, she should be doing this every week, but I'm stuck doing this. Okay, it doesn't matter what we do. We are to do our work heartily. Another way of saying it is work at it with all of your heart. Don't do things half-hearted. Paul says we should have a passion for what we're doing, that we should care. It doesn't matter if you're sending an email or scrubbing a toilet. We should care about the work that we are doing. Whether that's in our jobs or at home, in our lives, in our relationships, we don't want to robotically go through this checklist of things just to get it done for the sake of getting it done. And maybe some of us are here now to where we have zero passion for our work. We don't care about the work that we're doing. We're not excited to wake up in the morning. And what's interesting about that is um, 
I won't say most of us, but I'd probably assume a lot of us, that when we started either the job we have now or maybe just a job in our past, that at some point when we started a new job, we're excited for it, right? Like maybe you left an old job and you're like, I can't wait just to, to, to not be with those people anymore. I can't wait uh, to just kind of start this next stage. And then you go through the interview process, you get hired, you're excited. First day comes around and you just cannot wait. And then a few months, maybe a year goes by, and you wake up and you realize, I don't want to go to work today. Like, I don't feel like going in. Why? It's because we lost our passion. But what we need to realize is that our passion does not depend on where we work. The Bible says whatever you do. So we don't have to have our dream job to be excited to wake up and go to work in the morning. It doesn't have to be the case. Our passion is fueled by having a proper perspective. How we work depends on why we work. And so we work at everything with all of our heart. Verse says, as for the Lord and not for people. And again, so, so far we've been saying, hey, obey your boss, obey your authority, obey your, um, he's saying slaves, obey your masters. But we need to realize that our true authority, our ultimate authority is God. So when you wake up in the morning and you're getting prepared for the day, you put the coffee on, you drive to work, your ultimate, you got to realize that your boss, who you're working for, is ultimately God. When you punch in, you are working for God. So no matter what your title is, you are first and foremost a follower of Christ, if you are a believer in this room. And your primary allegiance is to him and not your employer. And so, so many of us will work for status, will work for respect, will work for um, just the, the ability to, to kind of keep up our lifestyle, or maybe we work so that we don't have to work in the future and kind of, you know, set up down the road. No matter what our reasons are, or other people's reasons for working, that doesn't have to be us. That's not our motivation, because we understand who we work for. And as a boss, God doesn't care as much about the job that you have as he does what you do with the job that you have. That's what he really cares about there. And that's why we should care about how well we work because we're representing him. We want to show others that, man, this is what it looks like to have a life that is changed and driven by the gospel. So if you are a Christian in this room, if that describes you, you have trusted in Jesus for your sins for your salvation, you should be the best employee there. And notice, I didn't say the most skilled. I didn't say the most intelligent. I didn't say uh, the, the, most, um, the person with the most ability, that you're just naturally gifted in that line of work. I didn't say that. I said the best in the sense of that we should be willing to do no, that whatever it takes to work hard, to be the best that we can be while living according to God's standards because we have the best motivation. So no matter what job you have in this room, okay, you're a teacher, you're a banker, you're a receptionist, you're a pastor, whatever you are, above all else, you are a servant of God. And again, most people around you, your coworkers, your family, your friends, they're probably mostly working for some type of earthly kind of physical reward, a paycheck, a bonus, okay, the weekend, 
but not us. We have been commissioned by God to glorify him in every area of our lives. And so everyone around us should know, okay, not only are they a Christian, not only do they claim to know God, but their actions seem to fall in line with their, with their words. And the way they attack their work is just different. Like th- that should be recognized. And Paul finishes his thought by telling us the results based on whether or not we're faithful in this area. Verses 24 and 25 says, Knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. For the one who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So our motivation doesn't, it isn't just in this life. It stretches to eternity. And the reward that he's talking about isn't money, it isn't, it isn't possessions, it's nothing physical. Paul is saying, no, this reward, this inheritance is spiritual. And it seems to involve the presence of Jesus himself. And so he's saying, hey, slaves, I know it's tough. And I know I'm telling you to obey everything that your uh, authority is telling you. But you have something far greater to look forward to. That you have an inheritance that will, never, that will never spoil, that will never fade, that will never perish, that you can hold on to for eternity. And that inheritance is eternal life with God that is only uh, achieved, that is only attainable by grace through faith, trusting in the gospel, knowing that we fall hopelessly short, that I am a sinner not deserving of anything that God has given me, and so I don't work to achieve some sort of forgiveness or to get on kind of the same level as God. I'll never get there. And so it's, it, it, it's a humble aspect coming from, okay, I can do nothing to work my way up, but Jesus, his work on the cross, his death and resurrection has paid everything. And so Paul is saying, look, we don't, we don't work hard so that we can be saved. God saved us, so that's our reason for working hard. And the same God that we work for is the same God who rewards us when it's said and done. Paul says, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And so he uses two titles for Jesus here. He doesn't just say Jesus. He says, the Lord Christ. And so Lord, referring to his absolute kind of control and, uh, and ability and right to rule over all creation. And then Christ referring to the fact that he is Messiah, that he is Savior. And so pointing back to the gospel, Paul is saying, because of what he's done, we have a proper perspective on everything that we do. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can have this new mindset. And Paul also mentions punishment. And I don't want to end on kind of this negative note, but that's where he does. And he says, okay, not only will you be rewarded for the work that you do, but also if you aren't faithful in this area, the judgment on disobedience is as certain as the reward for faithfulness. And Paul is warning them, hey, we want to be faithful. Because remember that you are going to have to stand in front of God, an impartial judge, and you are going to be held accountable for everything you've done on this earth. And I think it's pretty smart too. Paul is making sure that they, they understand they still have to hold uh, their authority with their earthly master. They have to hold it to be important. That Paul doesn't want them going, oh wait, so if God is our ultimate authority, 
then I don't have to, I don't have to listen to this guy anymore. <laughs> like, I'm done with it. No. Paul's saying God doesn't overlook us and our sin in terms of rewarding what we've done with what he has given us. He's paid for everything. We will not have to pay the penalty for our sin, but God is still holding us accountable for our life here on earth. And so God has positioned every single one of us. He has positioned us in a place that he wants us to use to elevate him, not for our betterment, not just to to make money, not to be comfortable, but to use for him. And it doesn't seem like it, but God has given us work, whatever it is. God has given us work as a tool, as a gift, as a resource to use for him. And he's saying, here, use it. Don't waste it. And so what I want to do this morning is um, I want to look at a story uh, from someone in our church that views her work as worship, and she has the right perspective on work. Let's see Kathy's story. My name's Kathy McAllister. I've worked at Burley Camp Plastics since October of 1992 as a temporary employee. I got hired in in June of 93, um, and in August of 2002, I was offered a job in the office. They, The office manager quit, and they wanted someone in the office, and I think they figured out I could talk, so they brought me in the office. There have been temps that have come in. Uh, one girl, she kept telling me, you remind me of my grandma. You talk about Jesus, you remind me of my grandma. And oh, she had such a rough life, but I loved her. So I do try and talk to people about Jesus. Brian Smith, he would ask me questions. He knew I was a believer, I was kind of verbal. And he would ask me questions like, who did Adam and Eve's kids marry? And um, what about the dinosaurs? As time went by, we would have conversations. He was honest, always honest, very candid. He got married young. He kind of had a plan, I think, and it wasn't going as planned. And he um, ended up coming to faith in Christ. I've got customers that I've been able to talk about Jesus with. And if you're a believer, you have something to offer above and beyond the norm. And people are going to, God's going to put people in your life that none of it is by accident. And we all started at the same place without Him. You know, we need to know that there are people out there that, like me at 32, said, Why didn't someone tell me this before? Especially now, people. They have to be confused and frightened, and any stability that you have in your life is going to show up. It's going to show. Kathy had a, had a line in there uh, that I love. She said, if you're a believer, you have something above and beyond. Sorry, I messed it up. She said, if you're a believer, you have something to offer above and beyond the norm. And that is so true because the world should see something different about those who follow Jesus. The world needs faithful Christians who will stick with it in a day-to-day workplace. The world needs Christians who will do what is asked of them better than anybody else, and not for some sort of competition with others, but it's a commitment to Christ. And so not only is our 
work ethic different, but our eternal hope is ultimately the difference maker in that scenario. And Kathy was, uh, she actually goes on to tell uh, about one of her coworkers, I believe it was her boss, and uh, she was having a difficult time. They wanted to have a kid, and so they weren't able to have a child for a long time. And so she tells about how she is able to use her work through prayer and through just communicating encouragement, how Kathy is able to use her work as worship. And uh, let's go ahead and check out part two. One year we were going to Founders Week, and I said, well, I'll be praying for you. I remember sending her a note from Chicago telling her I'm praying for you now. And after several failures of whatever wasn't working, the fall of 97, she said, I just want you to know that God has answered your prayer. I'm pregnant. And she, to this day, says that. God answered your prayer. I remember when she had him, and I was so uh, invested in that through prayer that when they, I didn't know them all that well. Now, this was 98, so I'd been there about five years, but still, I didn't know them that well. And they... um, we're at the hospital and I thought, I'm not sure if this is right, but I'm going. I just went to the hospital and saw them <laughs> right after the baby was born. She was like just delivered. Her mom and dad were there. and But it, it was a really kind of a powerful answer to prayer. One thing that happened is that I made a bargain with God that if I said, Lord, if you'll just let her have a child, I will talk to them about Jesus. Never do that. I said, Lord, I'll, I'll share my testimony and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it if you please give her a child. So then here I said that to the Lord. I made that promise and I'm like, I went out to my car to eat lunch one day and I'm really sidestepping and shuffling like I'm knowing I got to do this now. And I said, Lord, you know, they're just home from the hospital. I, I'm really rationalized. I, I said, if, if um, I know I'll talk to them at some point and, and I'll share my faith with them then. But I said, you know, and then I, I said, well, Lord, if, if she invites me over, if she, which I never thought they would do, she walked out to my car that day and said, why don't you come over this weekend and see the baby? So I really had to, and I did. I boldly shared my faith. I said, I said, I just, I gave him a, a book about the Gospel of John, and I said, um, this is where my hope is. It is in Jesus. When I pray, it is not to some Santa Claus in the sky. It is to the living God, who I believe really wants the best for us. Someone like, uh, like Kathy, she has the right outlook in her work. She doesn't see it just as a mundane, everyday, um, I have to do this kind of job. She views her work as worship. And so now for us, just as we're reminded of this truth, and as the band comes up, um, as we're reminded of this truth, not only that we should work hard, but we should have a greater motivation than anybody else. Maybe asking ourselves, what do we need to change? Maybe a lot of us are missing out on what God wants to do in our lives because we spend so much time wishing that we weren't doing it, right? Maybe some of us just need to remember that, yeah, I, I, at my job, I 
am first and foremost a representative of Christ. And I need to do a better job of communicating that with others and reaching people. Or maybe we just need to acknowledge that we're not working hard or as well as we, as we can. And maybe it's time to change a few things. But if your hope is in Christ, if you've made that decision, then as believers, we have the freedom to work with integrity, to work with excellence, to work with persistence, ultimately because we know who we're working for. So let's go ahead and pray this morning as we wrap up and the band closes in a song. Heavenly Father, we thank you first and foremost uh, for the gospel. We thank you that you created us, and even in spite of our sin, God, you still choose to love us. You still sent Jesus to die on the cross for us while we're still sinners, and I pray that that truth would drive us. And if there's anyone in this room who hasn't made that decision, that they would um, just be bold enough to ask questions or go out of their way to just make that a priority. And God, for those of us who have, we have a reason, we have a motivation to do the best that we can in everything. doesn't matter how small or how uh, large of a task it may seem to us, God, it's important to you. And it brings honor to you and help us to understand that as we go throughout our week. In Jesus' name, amen.